Hello, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 3. This is our big speculation and feedback episode. Very big. Well, big enough. <laughs> Moderately large, indeed. Not supersized, but not value meal sized. <laughs> I'm going to start us off with my speculation on the Indigo Lanterns, and then you're going to give us your speculation on the Orange Lanterns. Yes, and this is going to contain spoilers for everything. Yeah, basically anything. <laughs> this is where we're putting all of the theories and such that we didn't want to put into other episodes because you only want to spoil... A certain range of topics depending on what you're talking about so we figured let's just stick it all in here where it won't hurt anyone <laughs> so with all of the different multicolor cores we have basically we have at least some information on most of the cores we know almost everything about the Sinestro core mm -hmm. we know everything about the Green Lantern core we are seeing lots and lots more about the red core. The violet core is being featured in the Green Lantern core series. Mm -hmm. Very good story arc going on right now. Absolutely. And now we're even seeing the Blue Lanterns in the Rage of the Red Lantern issue, and it's going to be popping up in the main Green Lantern series. The only two cores that have not really been addressed too much are Indigo and Orange. And Orange, we've seen some clues here and there, but people would say that we haven't really seen anything about Indigo. Is this correct? Yeah, I was trying to think about this before we started recording, and I could count on one hand the number of panels I think we've seen devoted to even teasing the Indigo Lanterns. Yeah, we have actually... An indigo lantern shown in DC Zero, the special. Yeah. And we've seen the lantern in issue 25. Yeah, during that, uh, where Ganthet is unveiling the emotional spectrum for the first time. Right. There's was, there was one more. It was in, um, where was it? The DC, uh, the Green Lantern Core Secret Files. If possibly, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not going to think of it. <laughs> okay. What I'm getting at, though, is if you would ask most people, they would say, yeah, they haven't actually showed us anything about Indigo yet. And that's where I say you're absolutely wrong that we've seen so much about the Indigo already, and we actually already know the origin of the Indigo power. Wow. Yes, yes. It's a big claim, I know. I can think of, like two things that I know you'll bring up. Oh, that's yeah? That's all. That's all. I won't say I'm going to steal your thunder, but I'm, I'm very curious to see where this goes. Okay. So now, one of the minor clues is if you go back to issue eight of the current Green Lantern series, that's actually an issue where the Black Mercy popped up along with Mongol. And 
In this issue, Green Lantern and Green Arrow are both being taken over by the Black Mercy, and it's providing them what is kind of like the perfect life. And Hal is up in an airplane with his father, who is still alive in this ideal situation. <laughs> and they're both flying. You know, they're flying together. They're up in the sky. And this one panel where Hal is starting to come to the realization, if you look at the sky... Like, all the colors are indigo. Hmm. Like, everything is like, got this indigo you. But, I mean, that's not really, that's not really a good clue, right? Yeah, it could be. Like how I thought the emotional spectrum was being hinted at by, uh, them shifting speed. And just seeing, like, the, what's, what's it called? The something shift? The Doppler shift? The Doppler shift. Where it could be or couldn't be. Okay. That's a minor clue, though. But basically, it's where I'm going with this, the Black Mercy. I am almost positive that the Guardian of the Indigo Light is going to be the Black Mercy. Hmm. This would be the Mother Mercy plant that we saw in the Green Lantern Corps story arc. What was it called? Ring Quest? Yes. That came directly after the end of the Sinestro Corps. Yes. Aside from the fact that you actually have this character whose name is Mother Mercy, Mercy being another term for compassion, which is the indigo emotion, we kind of get so many clues in Green Lantern Corps issue 25. It's almost like they're beating us over the head with the fact that the Black Mercy is going to be the whole indigo caretaker. If you look in issue 25 of this Green Lantern Corps series, you can see that the Mother Mercy plant, the language or the speech bubbles that she's talking in, is all colored indigo. Which I would say is a pretty good sign. That, yeah, that's a pretty good sign. That's a pretty good sign. But then it's, it's even more. Because when she's telling the Green Lanterns that are around her, like how she came to be, she's saying that, she is this planet. The planet is her. Hmm. So it's kind of like almost a Mogo type thing going there. Yeah. A self-aware planet. We even saw that she can kind of bend its natural forces to her whims, like affecting the pull of gravity and the formation of the landscape and all that. Right. The next thing that she says is... Her original concern was the well-being of all those that thrived upon her. Now, if you're concerned about the well-being, then that's another sign of compassion. So, we keep going, and we see that an alien crash lands on her planet, and in an act of compassion to try and save this person, or at least make them feel better, she kind of merges with the guy, and he sees a perfect situation, and his brain releases enough chemicals that he's actually not in pain anymore. And eventually, he does die from his wounds from crashing into the planet. And at that point, the Mother Mercy plant disconnects from him. And she explains how now, all of a sudden, she's able to hear all of the suffering all over the universe. Hmm. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Yeah. She all of a sudden became cosmically aware of all the suffering and all the need for compassion. So she, what she ends up doing is... She takes her Black Mercy plants that she can create from her planet 
and she sends them out into the universe to try and help all these people that need compassion. And eventually they are kind of repurposed by Mongol to be used for fear using the Sinestro ring. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that plays out because I think in this very story arc, we see him kind of reseed them with fear and shoot them out across space. What I'm looking at this is almost exactly like with the Green Lantern Corps, with the Guardians. They started out thinking, oh, we have to put everything in order, so they have the Manhunters. You know, they send out these Manhunters that they think are going to be perfect to create order, but they're flawed. They end up massacring an entire sector, and the Guardians realize, well, we can't use them anymore. So now we have to get people to do our bidding, basically. Yeah, and here the Black Mercy or the Mother Mercy plant starts out by sending out her own young, basically. Yes. But they, despite best intentions, they wind up being more or less the main greatest weapon for a cosmic dictator. Exactly. Hmm. So, she ends the story by getting a Green Lantern ring which she's also offered a Sinestro core ring, but she turns that down. But, like, I would almost guarantee that very soon she's going to take her cosmic awareness and somehow turn that into a battery and actually recruit human... Representatives, yeah. Yes. And when you think about it, going back to the Red Lanterns a bit... Right. I have to believe that the reason Atrocitus manifested the Red Power is that all of those centuries of imprisonment and all of the constant roadblocks in his way of people stopping him from getting his revenge and laying it all fester is what led to the red showing itself in him. So if you take that mindset and you apply it to Mother Mercy, she's trying to do right by people, but everything she does winds up as some perversion of her original intention right which might make her desire to bring compassion grow exponentially which could lead to her manifesting the indigo power right so yeah i mean like when we haven't actually seen anything like i guess concrete as far as an actual uh, indigo lantern or indigo power or anything like that i think that the clues that they have provided us that's the giveaway it, it's gonna be the mother mercy plant and plus, you can't pass on the detail that, from what we've seen, the Indigo Core, instead of using straight-up rings, they carry around, basically, staves with what look to be either batteries or something of the sort at the top. But at the same time, it's, it's, it looks like a wooden stick or branch. Right, so like, would, a, like would, a plant. Yeah, so it would make sense that you know, maybe Mother Mercy even grows these out of herself. Yes. Okay, so that's basically our thoughts on Indigo? Yes. Okay. Now for Orange... Yes. I have about as much logic and, like, an eighth of the research. <laughs> nice. Because for me, and, like, I assume that other people have arrived at the same conclusion as I have because I don't, I don't think it's that big of a leap. So people on the forums might have thought of this. People not on the forums might have thought of this. But it makes the most sense to me. Okay. So you got the orange lantern. And orange in this 
in the emotional spectrum is the color of greed. And we're seeing all of the other colors slowly start to build their ranks and build up these massive cores so that we can have all these armies fight each other. I don't think that's where orange is going. I think there will be exactly one orange lantern. Actually, I should amend that to say that there will be one orange lantern at a time. Because there are multiple parties that are chasing this power. There are different parties that have been hinted at. But it makes sense to me. Because if you have a kind of energy that literally is pure, concentrated greed, why would you want to share that? (laughs) Especially when you think about the fact that once you get further from the center of the emotional spectrum the more influence the power has on you. So I think even whether you intend to share it or not, that the result of being around it will take that away. Like, for example, you have... Right now, we know that the... And this isn't a spoiler of any kind, but we know that the power is in the hands of someone calling himself Agent Orange, who is, I believe, a new character. Right. And... He is being hunted by the controllers who have had their attempts at a Green Lantern-style army before. You know, they first they tried the Dark Stars, which were just regular beings in armored suits. Then they tried Effigy, which was kind of like the Dark Stars, but with more Green Lantern-like powers. It didn't work out either. So now they just want a straight-up power like the Guardians have. So they're hunting for orange. And their intention is to build a core. I think what's going to happen is if and when they catch up with Agent Orange and they take the power from him, whoever that first controller is that gets a hold of his ring, he's going to keep it for himself. I think we're going to get a situation where ultimately you have all of these sides constantly playing against each other, trying to take or retake or keep this one single orange ring and battery. And as you have pointed out, delightfully, over and over again, (laughs) Hector Hammond, the big-headed, telepathic Hal Jordan villain of yore, is constantly drenched in the color orange every time we see him in the Jeff Johns run of the series, which probably means he's going to be an orange lantern, yada, yada, yada. Yes, his thought bubbles, his clothing in the Secret Origin story. His um, power, his... Yeah, everything's in orange. His fillings are orange, <laughs> his his contact lenses. His favorite juice. He eats lots of carrots. The first thing people will, will probably point to is, but hey, in Green Lantern 25, we saw a two-page spread of all the different cores fighting each other, and there was, like, three or four orange lanterns. Here's what I think about that. All right. If you look at that spread in number 25, you'll see the same technique used to show all of their energy, where you'll have the, the figure, and they'll be surrounded by a silhouette just outlining them in the color of their energy, you know, All the Green Lanterns have a little green outline around them, all that kind of stuff. Except for the Orange Lanterns. They have the outline, but at the same time, their entire bodies are tinted orange. And they are the only ones to have this. 
which leads me to believe that they are constructs. <laughs> so if we'll have one orange lantern, but if he ever needs help or he needs to send someone on an errand or something, he's going to use his ring to make that help. So we could have an entire Orange Lantern core that's really just one guy. Which actually would make a lot of sense with Hector Hammond, because with his enhanced mental capabilities, he actually would be able to concentrate enough to create a whole bunch of different, like, orange-powered minions to go out and do his bidding. Yeah. Plus, it would make a lot of sense if he... They hinted briefly that he might be getting the use of his body back, at least to some degree. But if he didn't, and he is still just laid up in that chair, unable to move, him making ring-generated cronies to send out would be a pretty cool option for him. Now, something else that you had pointed out was, if you look at the issue 25, all of the orange lanterns or orange constructs depending on how you want to look at it they're not actually fighting anybody they're all just trying to go after loose rings yeah greedy people love power so they just want to get the other rings for their own something else i was thinking i haven't really seen any evidence that they might go this way but i think it would be a cool extension of the whole greed thing is what if the Orange Lantern will go out of his way not to use his ring because that would mean giving up some of his energy. An extension of that would be the effect of the Orange Ring on, say, a Green Lantern ring or anything else. Perhaps it absorbs their energy or their willpower or something like that. Yeah, it could be the exact opposite effect of, say... The Blue Lantern Rings, which we've seen can amplify Green Lantern Rings exponentially. Another little thing that I just wanted to point out, and I absolutely love that they did this. Right now you have the controllers looking for the orange energy. Yeah. I mean, their name, controllers, like right there, that's, you know, greed. They want to control everything. Such a perfect fit. It's so brilliant. Yeah. And it's all... Like, a lot of the stuff that we're pointing out here... The stuff that's actually been on page has been so subtle and yet so obvious at the same time that the first time you read it, you don't really notice it. But if you go back knowing even a little bit, you can start spotting all the stuff that should have hit you in the face the first time through. Yeah, i seen that. So that's it for our RN speculation? Yep, I think that's about it. Okay then, what do you say we hit some fan mail? Yes, we have fans. Uh, and they send us mail. Ah. Uh, Hence, fan mail. Fan mail, wow. I don't think we're ever going to get any more fan mail ever again. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. Because either. of that. <laughs> it's all done. We peaked with episode zero. <laughs> <laughs> we should have just retired. It was all downhill from then. Someday when they do the behind the music of our show, that's what I'll tell them. Yes. All right. So this one is from Jason H. Grice. 
goes by the Darth Knight on the comic forums. Uh, he says, Hello, gentlemen. I'm new to the wonderful world of Green Lantern. I've recently read Rebirth, No Fear, Revenge, and both Sinestro Corps. I was wondering what else is required reading. I love what's happening. I just want good stories, and I wouldn't mind getting some older trades as long as it's entertaining. Anything with my man Bats? Great podcast. I look forward to listening. No, nothing. Yeah, you've read everything. <laughs> you're, you're done. Go re- go read The Flash or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I would say if you haven't read any Green Lantern core from the current series yet, jump on with Green Lantern Core Recharge. It was the miniseries that started this book out, and you could really read it as its own story without going any further. It's a really nice team book, really. Yeah, it's decent. It's de- you de- It's only decent? Come on. Okay, maybe it's better than decent. <sighs> That's it. The podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I like Green Lantern Corps. I definitely like the main series more. But, yeah, you get to see a lot of cool stuff in the Green Lantern Corps. And especially the stories now with the Star Sapphires and, well, I don't want to spoil anything else. But, man, they got some some interesting stuff going on right now. Yeah. That first miniseries that kicked it off, Recharge. Yeah. That, That right there. It has like such great elements of, of a, uh, oh, what the hell was I gonna say? Magic. No. <laughs> <laughs> hamburgers. <laughs> it is full of hamburgers. <laughs> no, is it's a really good. It's a. It takes the concept of Green Lantern and applies it to a team book. It has some really great character interactions. It's probably one of the last times we saw Kyle Rayner used really, really well. Yeah. Poor um, Kyle. It's, it's a really great introduction to some of the alien Green Lanterns that I'm sure you've seen throughout the Jeff Johns series without having them really fleshed out for you. And, you know, it's just, it's a really good stepping stone to build on the mythology, even if you don't follow it through to the main series of Green Lantern Corps. What do you think? What's another one? Another good story to read? Yeah, another Green Lantern story. Oh. Some of the cooler stories that I have read in the Kyle run would be the Power of Ion. That's the first (laughs) time he got the Ion power. Before it was an entity. Yeah. Yeah, this is back when like having the Ion power like actually meant something and (laughs) kyle was basically a god the stories that they told for uh, seven issues or so were amazing yeah i won't spoil anything but they really did play up like the what it would mean to really have omnipresence yeah and be able to be everywhere at the same time and i still don't quite know why they changed his name to ion (laughs) yeah i don't know either it was a really random I don't I don't I don't know if even they know, but it's stuck. So there. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah. was a great story and also the Circle of Fire. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. Like that had some fun 
elements to it. At this point, it doesn't really mean anything to the whole Green Lantern mythos, but at the time it was pretty cool because you got to yeah. see what was kind of like a future descendant if eventually a Green Lantern descendant married a Flash descendant. Yeah. You got to see... Well, I, th- I remember at the time what made it really cool was here's essentially a, a mini Green Lantern Corps what, before we ever got the Green Lantern Corps back. Right. Yes. Uh, and what's what stinks is a lot of the stuff that I would like to recommend has not been traded. Yeah. Like, there's probably my favorite Green Lantern Green Arrow story ever was... Black Circle, Urban Nights. It was written by Judd Winnick and that other guy. <laughs> what was his name? Ben Robb? Yeah. Yes. We just talked about that. Yeah. And it ran through... You know what? Let me pull up Comic Book DB. <laughs> it ran six issues? It was six... I think it was six issues. Alright. It was six issues long. It ran through... Green Lantern, number 162, 163, 164, and Green Arrow, number 23, 24, and 25. The chapters go back and forth between the series, but the writing in it is good enough that it feels like it was all written by one guy, so it's not really noticeable. This is the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern and the Oliver Queen Green Arrow. And you want something... You want good buddy cop stuff? This is it. Because these two... You know, these two characters have similar enough personalities that they are clashing every time they open their mouths. And I just, you know, you can say what you will about the story. It doesn't even matter if you don't like the story. You are going to want to reread this thing a couple times just for, like, the back-and-forth dialogue these two have. Yeah, Jason, just to give you a second opinion, I've only read it once. Yeah, well... (laughs) Yeah. Now... The trades that he said he read, what's in Revenge? What issues is that? Revenge? That's... Is that like right after No Fear? I think so. Revenge is the... Actually, that would round out the first year of Green Lantern, because that was the uh, Manhunters, Cyborg, Superman story. Which was the one... Uh, Oh yeah, and I guess, what was it? Hunted was the one one year later? Yeah, I think it was Wanted Hal Jordan. Yeah, Wanted, that's what it was. Yeah, which was which was good, too. Yeah, definitely. It was. It's basically the story of what does Hal Jordan do when everyone on and off Earth wants to get him. So if he read Revenge already, then he's already read issue 9. I guess so. Although, the way I remember it, reading it month to month, Reading Revenge of the Green Lanterns doesn't really spoil Wanted Hal Jordan for you. Because Revenge of the Green Lanterns is basically a space story, and Wanted Hal Jordan is an Earth story. Well, no, I'm just saying that because he wants good Batman stories. Oh, okay, yeah. And that issue 9 was a great Batman story. Where they're fighting the tattooed man. Yes. And at the very end, we get the amazing pose, which later spawned an even cooler action figure. <laughs> Green Lantern Batman. The Bat Lantern. That is cool. 
I have the figure. I'm looking at it right now. It is possibly the greatest action figure that I own. Wow. Yes. Stop caressing it. <laughs> How did you know that? I can just assume with you. Oh, okay, okay. I guess that's fair. And you know, you know where else Batman pops up? Green Lantern Corps Recharge, issue one, there's a hilarious scene between Batman and Guy Gardner. Do you remember that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, no, I have to reread that, but don't spoil it, so that way he has to go out and read it now. Yes. Go get the trade. Do it. Do it now. 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 <laughs> come, come on, Darth Knight. Do it. Did you do it yet? <laughs> What's taking you so long? <laughs> Let's let's go to his house. Let's go. <laughs> let's walk with him to Barnes and Noble. You're gonna buy this, and you're gonna buy it good. You give us any grief, you're gonna buy it twice. Uh, any more email? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, we're definitely not gonna get any more email after this. <laughs> like I'm not writing them. They're gonna they're gonna break my door down. <laughs> they hate uh, me. All right, we uh. We have one here from Roger Austin. He goes by Big Raj on the comic forums. He says, Do you think another Lantern could carry a solo title in today's market? Or would it be too much Green Lantern overkill? I'd love to see Johns write a Kyle or John Stewart solo title. I keep hearing that Stewart will be used more in the main Green Lantern title, but it hasn't really happened so far. I really liked Kyle in Rebirth and really think Johns could do something special with him. Just my two cents on the matter. Can't wait to hear more on your show, guys. So, I think Kyle would make a pretty good fit as a Blue Lantern. Really? Cons yeah, considering... If you, if you look just at the bare facts that he kept the Green Lantern legacy going all by himself for a decade when no one else could or would and he, without him we might not have the Green Lantern Corps in the the capacity we do now I think he's like that's hope he kept hope alive for the return of the Green Lantern Corps that's an interesting theory you got there Dan yes but I have another I th theory I, I but I thought I heard agreement in your tone no not so much mm. Not so much. You see, while that would be cool and all, the way that I see it, I really have a feeling that Kyle is going to be some kind of white ranger down the road. Uh, white ranger? White, you just call him a white ranger? <laughs> yes! <laughs> he's, he's going to yell, it's morphin' time, and then go like, ring! Yes, he's going to uh, be in charge of the tiger sword. <laughs> the white tiger sword now I think uh, Kyle is going to be a white lantern I think that they're going to have to somehow merge the various colored lanterns and use that to defeat the black lanterns that are going to be coming So, which is a, it's a legitimate theory considering that what is the black power it's a force of death that's outside of the emotional spectrum and when you really take stock of it the emotional spectrum is when you put it all together life yes now i mean i actually do have like a couple of 
you know, logical points that would back this up. If you look at it, Kyle is one of the few Green Lanterns that has experienced like just about every single emotion that you could possibly feel. And he's gotten past every single one of those. Every time I like see another core pop up, you think, oh, wow, it's like, well, Kyle's gotten past that. Kyle's gotten past that. No matter what, like he's always able to get past the emotion. Definitely helps that he was spending his entire Green Lantern career without the confines of the core and the Guardians to guide him. So he was able to just plug in his own life and personality to the job. Right. And since he didn't have to not have fear or that fearless quality that they look for or ability to overcome great fear, Kyle basically had to figure that all out on his own. So he's just this giant ball of emotion and he got the Green Lantern ring to work and eventually he, you know, came to take on the Ion powers and he, you know, did that whole thing. But when it comes right down to it, yeah, if you're going to be able to handle all of the emotional powers, you're going to have to be somebody that can accept the power, but also not let it control them. So that way you can balance them all out equally. Makes sense. You know, Kyle, he's been in love, but he's also gotten past love and gone on to do his duty when he has to. He's shown compassion for people, but he's also realized that sometimes you, you know, you can't have compassion for people. Like back in that story where he ended up giving the guy the green power legs. Yeah. And the guy sold his soul to Neron and became a villain. Yeah. Those are really good two issues. Yes. It's just like tons and tons of stories. You know, he had to, he, he's gone up against, was it Major Force? Over and over again. And this is a guy that has, he, he chopped up Kyle's girlfriend and stuck her in a freezer. Refrigerator. Refrigerator. More room. Yeah. And Kyle, he didn't kill him. He was so angry at him. But he realized that he couldn't give in to his anger. And, you know, he actually went for justice. Although he got pretty close, though. At the end of his series, I think it was, what was it, 181 or something like that? Yes. He's fighting Major Force out in space and makes a realization that, like, okay, Major Force is some degree of immortal, so you can't kill him. So what Kyle does is he cuts his head off. Puts it in a bubble and just throws it into the void. Yes. But he does not kill him. And I think if no. Kyle really wanted to, he probably could have. Throw him into a sun or something. Yeah, basically. Now, what about the other part of the question? Because, you now, do you think... Well, let's say on Kyle. Do you think if they came out with a Kyle Rayner solo series, would that be able to last at the same time as Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. Well, I only think that would work if he was like, you know, a White Lantern. And the reason is because when Kyle carried his whole series, he was the only Green Lantern. 
I think he works best when he's kind of on his own and, you know, he has to figure out things for himself. You know, when he's a Green Lantern and there's an entire Green Lantern Corps around him, he's just, you know, one of the gang, whereas his character was developed under the conditions of being special, of being the only one. So as much as I love the core, and I am so incredibly glad that we have it back, at the same time, it's almost like a trade-off, where the core coming back is almost where we stopped getting really good Kyle Rayner stories. Right. Since he became a Green Lantern again, after falling out of the Ion role, he's, you know, for the most part, he hasn't been written as the Kyle Rayner we we know. And the only way that he's going to get back to that is if he has some sort of weird new power set that nobody else has, that he has to figure out, that he has to blaze a trail, that he has to basically walk the path alone. Nothing dumb like making him Warrior 2 or something. Yeah, no. But just different enough from a Green Lantern that he can still do his own thing and have it be somewhat unique but not so different that it's off off-putting to fans. Right. Like maybe like maybe keep him as a Green Lantern and change him in Blackest Night and then have a book spinning out. Have hit have that be the series that spins out of Blackest Night. That's what I'd like to see. I I would buy a book with Kyle as a White Lantern. Which one other thing that I was was thinking about was as it stands right now, Kyle has housed the Ion being, and he's also housed the Parallax being. So you would have to think that he only has a couple more to house, and then he's been in control and controlled by every emotional guardian kind of being thing. What I'd love to see is some sort of residual effect from housing these beings like maybe the fact that he was host to parallax means that he has some intuitive ability to know what people are afraid of or something like that that would make sense with sinestro being the way he is and having such a relationship with parallax yeah i would also enjoy seeing if housing being after being after being has some kind of cumulative effect where you know, if for example he gets possessed by say the rage entity right. maybe the fact that he's had to deal with parallax already means that he can resist this being more strongly than someone who has never encountered anything like it before like maybe he can retain his personality or even fight his way out of it well, that would be fortunate considering how much Parallax took over and Yellow is just to the side of of Green. Yeah, well, yeah, and Red is the really far extreme, so it was probably the worst example. But, you know, apply that idea to something closer to the center. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Yes. That's, that's the kind of series I would buy. I, I might buy some other Green Lantern series if they came out with them. In actuality, I would probably buy any Green Lantern series they came out with, just because I'm a Green Lantern sucker, but that's just me. Yeah. At the very least, I want to see them try this, even if it's only a miniseries, just to gauge sales. Because 
I have to think that if the Ion 12 issue series from a few years ago or a year ago sold better, then we might have a Kyle Solo book already. That book was horrible. It really, really was. I love Kyle, but that book was horrible. Yeah. it's yeah, Just give us a nice focused story, something a little more linear. Yeah, that had no direction at all. Ron Mars is exclusive to Top Cow now. Ron <laughs> Mars is exclusive to Top Cow now. Just keep saying it to yourself. <laughs> and, not, and I'm not trying to knock Ron Mars. He's, you know, we owe him for the character of Kyle Rayner. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's gotten to a point where he's... Sometimes it feels like he's written all the good Kyle stories that he's going to write. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely safe to say. Didn't he come back to close off the Green Lantern run for Kyle? He did. He, he's the one that cut Major Force's head off. Yeah. Yeah, those stories were not that great. No. And this came right off of the Judd Winnick run that I loved really, really lots. Yeah. It actually took me a little time to get into that, but once I did, that was fantastic. Do we have anything else we want to say? I do not think so. Just the closing stuff? Uh, let me think here. Anything about the black that we want to bring up? I think we'll save that for another time. Alrighty. Alright, so, if you want to contact us, you can email us at lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to thecomicforums.com, scroll down the alphabetical forum listing to LanternCast, and you can chat with us and other f- listeners. On our forum. Yes. Or you can go to our webpage at www.lanterncast.com, and there you will find all our episodes. You can also find all our episodes on iTunes if you search for LanternCast. But the website also has a link to the forums. And just to bring up something you mentioned to me, if you're looking for us on iTunes, unless you subscribe, you will only get our first episode. Yes. You have to subscribe to us, and then the rest of our episodes will appear. Yeah, they will be given to you as a gift if you, on faith, subscribe to us first. Yeah, no charge. The first ones are free. (laughs) No charge. Any last messages there, Dan? Um, Darth Knight, we're coming to your house. I should actually get Google Maps up right now. <laughs> nah. Nah, we love you guys. Anybody who wants to send us an email, we will most likely read it on the show at some point. And you may or may not regret that you did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and shout outs. Shoutouts. Who do we have to shout out? Oh yeah, just a, a general thanks to the Comic Addiction Podcast Network and the members of the Legion of Dudes podcast, who all of these guys have been very supportive to us in our early attempts at getting the show going, and we really appreciate the good, the kind words from them. And you can find the Comic Addiction at thecomicaddiction.com and you can find the Legion of Dudes episodes at halfhourwasted.com Thank you guys. Yes, we we love you all. Very awesome. Not as much as Jim loves his Bat Lantern figure. Well, I mean, to be fair, nobody could love anything that much. 
<laughs> Creepy. Yeah. Well, on that unsettling note, I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Jim Ford. See you next time. So long, folks.